But about six to seven years old, the white families introduced racism. And all of a sudden, my white kids told me, we can't play with you anymore. My dad said, I can't play with y'all anymore. My dad said, I can't play with y'all anymore. This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. Wouldn't you like to be a guest on Black Wall Street today with Blair Durham? Well, the link is in the show notes. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, 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 greetings. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this 139th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Excited to share with you all. Joining us today is H.J. Harris. He's a retired attorney who personally experienced the civil rights era of the 1950s and 60s. He attended the 1963 Marshall in Washington and heard Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech at the Lincoln Monument. A graduate of Columbia University in New York City, Harris has been a keen observer, recorder, and participant at pivotal moments of the racial evolution of America. Welcome to the show, Mr. Harris. How are you? Oh, I am incredibly great, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you, and I understand that you have written a book, Solving the Race Issue in America. I think that is a provocative title. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration uh, for writing the book. Well, you know, Solving the Race Issue in America was written actually a number of years ago. I started writing it uh, before President Obama was elected. And I put it down because I really felt that if, you know, when we are black, uh, when we in America are able to elect a black man, especially one named Barack Hussein Obama, we must have solved the race issue. (laughs) Okay. Mm. But immediately after his election, when these cries of, you know, take our country back and uh, a whole new mindset evolved that let me know that even though we had elected a black president, that the issue of racism was still deeply embedded in the American in the American psyche. Sure. And uh, after the election of the last president, uh, with the "Make America Great Again," it's like um, you know, well, what do you mean, "Make America Great Again"? What happened? Did something happen? Take our country back? Were we invaded? And so it really let me know that the cancer racism not only was alive, but it had basically metastasized. Because once the former president began to promote, you know, like this crass, this um, this uh, this racist mentality from Charlottesville and other issues, it became clear that we had not solved the race issue in America, and that it was being institutionalized at a way we'd never seen before. That was the motivation for writing the book. Okay, and so in the book. Do you prescribe a formula for ending racism? Absolutely. You know, there are a number of things. Number one, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge. I just did a talk this morning on being honest with yourself in order to improve your self-image. So you have to acknowledge that racism exists and acknowledge the past. You know, not to be bound by it, not to indict but to recognize that this has happened. Second, and in the book, we, we lay out a history, a brief history of some of the things of, from the formation of the country, you know, when the Declaration of Independence was signed and the Constitution was developed, that the people who, many of the people who um, signed the Declaration of Independence were slave owners. 
And so as a result, in the very beginning, a contradiction was created when these same men sat down and said, you know, all men are created equal before God and literally relying to each other. Okay. But that was, you know, like that is as it is. But the point is that the history was important from that fact through the, the Civil War, some of the things. More people died in the Civil War than in World War One and World War Two put together. Over 600,000 Americans died in the Civil War. So clearly, the race issue of America is a profound one. And from that time until now, from the Jim Crow era, the, the institutional um, bringing about of racism is one. So acknowledge the past. Number two, to recognize what has not worked. You know, the courts have not worked. The same court that in 1954 in Brown versus the Board of Education said that uh, uh, segregation was unconstitutional. In 1898 in Brown versus Ferguson, it said that it was constitutional. And so the courts uh, really reflect the, the prejudices and racism of the people. So recognizing that the third piece is to ask forgiveness, to take a spiritual approach. Clearly, the courts don't work, the laws don't work, and the spiritual approach, because we claim to be a Christian nation. White people and black people read the same Bible. And when we read that Bible, it says that when a wrong has been perpetrated against any people, you have to acknowledge it, you have to ask forgiveness, and you have to make atonement. Mm. And so that's the premises of the book, that the approach has got to be a spiritual one where you do those things, where you acknowledge, where you ask forgiveness, and where you make atonement. And I'm not talking reparations. Reparations is like a shadow. Atonement is how do you make it right? The principle in the Bible is if you've harmed somebody, how do you make it right? It's not about giving them back money. It's like, what about dead people? You can't give them back life. So how do you create an environment to rectify and compensate for the errors of the past? And with that spiritual approach, that is the only approach that we can take when the, when the people who claim to be Christians, who claim to believe in the Bible, can come together in truth, pray, acknowledge, and forgive. Yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, for sure. You know, and I, I appreciate kind of the recognition that we're not really going to be able to resolve it on our own. It's going to require the creator's kind of assistance backing in order to make it happen. Because at the end of the day, even with those three critical elements there, you know, you're still talking about the same humans who brought about these conditions in the first place. Yes. <laughs> now yes. having to, now having to change right now, yes. having to be different people. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's a fascinating topic. Uh, I am one who is, you know, studied race pretty extensively, been doing this work for quite some time. And so I always appreciate the due diligence of a scholar like yourself to, to put the pieces together. Well, you know, Blair, the, as I, I've just written a couple of articles on this critical race theory, mm-hmm. the racism is so deep that even in the words, you know, we, we, if you think about that critical race theory, to even formulate it in that manner is the implying that it's not a reality. <laughs> it's a theory. It's a theory. Okay. And yeah. so once again, it, it just says that the depths of racism are such, are so deep that even in our words now, 
that there's this resistance against resolving it. You look at the political arena, the state legislatures are doing the same thing now that they did in 1898, restricting the right of black people to vote, restricting the right of empowering black people. Let me ask you this, Mr. Harris. What is accomplished in maintaining racism? What, What interest is served in upholding the system in which we kind of all find ourselves? You know, that's a great question because really and truly the only interest is the ego and the desire to master. Think of what America could be if racism did not exist. Think of where Black Wall Street, if it had evolved over 100 years from where it was. I mean, here we had Black millionaires owning airplanes, owning businesses. If you project that ahead 100 years, this country would be incredibly more powerful. Look at the athletes. You know, I was watching the Olympics. And even that is so slanted. You know, the, 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 you look at the, the track and field where you feature the black athletes. I watched the entire first 30 minutes of the Today Show and not a single mention, okay, of the gold medals that they had received, okay? And, and so the, the, the idea is that it is so, it is so deep that we have to come to a, a capitulation. That we have to come to a point where um, where we recognize, you know, when you go into a 12-step program, you know, if you're an addict of any kind, and America's addicted to racism. Mm. And so when we go into a 12-step program, step one is basically acknowledge that you're racist. <laughs> okay, acknowledge that you're an addict. <laughs> and so without doing that, they can't do it. It can't be done. And so that's why I say the spiritual people have to lead us. The church has been the foundation of this country. The white church, the black church, the most segregated hour in America at this moment is the churches. You go into the churches. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Okay. And until that is resolved, Nothing else will happen. God did not put us here to be racist. If you look at children, I grew up in the South and they had little white kids. The guy on the store had a corner store. His kids were there. And as little kids, we played the black and white kids played together until they were about six or seven years old. We didn't even know we were black. We didn't know they were white. We just were kids. But about six or seven years old, the white families introduced racism. And all of a sudden, my white kids told me, we can't play with you anymore. My dad said, I can't play with y'all anymore. Mm-hmm. Especially the little white girl, you can't play with us anymore. And so God didn't put us here to be racist. That is a construct created by those who want to maintain an ego-centered power. Because true power, we would have a greater nation if, the, if racism did not exist. We've literally taken a major push portion of the, of the population and said, we don't want your talent. We, we don't want your money. The only reason segregation disappeared was somebody economically looked at the bus boycott. And after a year, they said, we're losing money. Mm -hmm. There was still no moral capitulation to say, hey, this is wrong. Yeah. Until that moral capitulation happens, it won't happen. Racism more is a function of of greed and ego than than anything else. Because ultimately, you know, Racism would have us to believe 
that there are not there are not enough resources for everyone to experience abundance. Yes. But yes. that's not true. Absolutely. You know, and that one idea implanted in the minds of the so-called oppressed. Yes. I mean, look yes. at what it has brought about, you know. Well. Well, all you have to do to really motivate, you might say, the white people or any people for that matter, is to make them feel somebody else is taking something away from them. Mm-hmm. OK, the black people are taking the jobs. You know, it was very interesting after the, uh, the coup. And there was a coup in America in Wilmington, North Carolina in 1898, when white people drove black people out of town and literally uh, annihilated and, and uh, nullified the election that people had had just taken care of on November 8th. And the, the, the purpose of that coup now was to literally put Black people in a way that they were economically excluded. When we look at Black Wall Street and all the, um, you go to Atlanta, Georgia, it, it was the Auburn Street in 1906, 1907, Chicago, St. Louis. And so there's been a, cons- a, cons- a concentrated effort to define black people as weak, as broke, as uncreative, as unindustrious. And that has been going on for over 100 years, 150 years. Yeah. Until we fix that, it's going to be a challenge. But look what, you know, the side I wish that people could focus on is look what America could be if. The racism did not exist. You know, we look at America's music, you know, when in the time when black people couldn't even put their songs out on the air. And, you know, the only way your song made money was that a white guy recorded your song, the Elvis Presley's of the world who took black music and turned it into white music. <laughs> look at yeah. what the world could have been if they could have all coexisted and grew together. You see the thing in the Olympics where the guy, the high jumpers shared the golden medal, the gold medal. The two high jumpers, they were tied all the way down. And they could either have a jump off where one would get a gold and the other would get a silver, or they could accept, both accept the gold medal and there would be no silver. Right. They, they chose to accept the gold. So now, just looking at that, two countries, Italy and the other country, two countries now have a champion, have a winner, and look at the psyche there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If that yeah. happened in America, we would be greater. Yes. True. Um, litigation. You worked as an attorney for many yes. years, I assume. Yes. Did you work primarily with regard to civil rights issues or something else? No, primarily a trial lawyer. Civil, yeah. right, civil rights always comes up. And anytime you have any execution of power and illegal power, economic power, racism always shows its head. Yeah. What is your take on the George Floyd? Uh, Incident from a trial perspective, if I may ask you that. Yes. From a trial perspective, George Floyd's attorneys had nowhere to go. I mean, and that's why if you look at the trial, they spent time talking about unimportant things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they tried to, you know, as a, as a trial lawyer, you create a narrative that you want the jury to believe. Mm-hmm. They couldn't not even create a believable narrative because when you have... You know, up until George Floyd, it's a lot like Rodney King. There's an American desire to believe that the police are all good people. Okay. Well, they're not all good. They're not all bad people. They're people. 
And so when you saw Rodney King to, to show the evolution of this, the psyche of America, in Rodney King, when they saw the beating, that was the first televised beating where you actually saw it, the world saw it. They found those guys not guilty. <laughs> okay. mm. <So>. Unimaginable. <laughs> Unimaginable. So, wow. so for George Floyd, to, it, it, that took it beyond the beating because America, the world had a chance to watch for what, nine minutes. Mm. And this is the first time most people ever saw a person die right in front of their eyes. As a lawyer, that's a hard fact to overcome. You know, mm-hmm. in, in law, mm-hmm. you said, if you have a case that's weak on the facts, you try it on the law. Yeah. If it's weak on the law, you try it on the facts. If it's weak on the law and the facts, you criticize the process. <laughs> okay. Wow. 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 Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so, that's what that case was and about. And that's deep. And so... You know, and watching kind of the way in which everything unfolded, I learned that the trial, you know, and the accordant verdict is separate from the sentencing. Yes. And sentencing yes. is an entirely different matter. And that gave attorneys a chance to say, hey, you know, we don't agree with the verdict. Yeah. yeah. So that became a thing. And I just thought, wow, you know, that's interesting. Yeah. What was your take on the sentencing? I think the judge really went, you know, I didn't, the judge was fairly, you know, I looked at some of his rulings. He was not necessarily a, you know, a a positive judge for George, for the George Floyd, but he was a fair judge. And when he rolled on the mitigating circumstances that, you know, he he virtually gave them pretty much all that they he could give him as much time as he could give. There, there was a little latitude there, but when he added those years for the mitigating or aggravating circumstances, that showed that he had a certain amount of compassion. In other words, to not do that would mean you could stand there and look at a person's life drain out of them and say, "Well, there was no mitigate. There was no." Uh, aggravating circumstances. There was no particular harshness. And like in basketball, you know, it was not a flagrant foul. You know, you didn't just, you you went for the ball. You didn't punch the guy, give him a karate chop, you know. Well, here in George Floyd, they gave him a karate chop and the judge responded accordingly. Mm. So the judge, I think, the the sentence, I think, was, was pretty fair. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. We've got about three minutes remaining, Herbert. Definitely a fascinating conversation. Please share um, where we can obtain a copy of your book and just the name of the book and uh, other details around contacting you. Yes. Of course, the book is The 12 Universal Laws of Success. <laughs> okay. And oh, it's wow. Available. Yes. Here we go. And <laughs> we, we, we wrote so, the book. So, Solving the Race Issue in America is yes. the book title. Yes. But and you put said it in black and white. <laughs> right, right. But you said the 12 Universal Laws of Success. That's one of my other books. Oh, okay. Okay. My mind, my mind just skipped there for a moment. Okay, <laughs> no, great. So we've yeah. got two, okay, to one of your other books. How many books have you written in total? Uh, seven books. Wow. And yeah, are they all books. accessible at your website? Some are. Some are. Some are out of print. My first book was... Uh, uh, how to make money in music, and that was probably written before you were born. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, by Herbie Harris and uh, Lucian Farrar, 
you can still buy it. It's like four or five hundred collectors items now. Okay. Wow. Twelve Universal Laws of Success. I have a, another series that I've come out uh, uh, the Golden Twelve Universal Principles for Success, and a few others. But this book is important because it is deals with a contemporary vibration that right now what is happening in the country. We have to solve the race issue in America because otherwise it's like a cancer. And we can see it going through everything now. Even racism is hampering dealing with the pandemic. I got to cut you off again. We got only about a minute remaining. I want to make sure we get the contact information as well as where we can get your book. The book is available on Amazon, The twelve, you know, the Solving the Race Issue in America. It's unavailable on our website, www.solvingtheraceissue.com solvingtheraceissue.com and there we have a we did a big read we have a live reading of the entire book and all that is on the website and other videos and things that we've done a blog with some of our newspaper articles so that's solvingtheraceissue.com and we can and we can be reached through info at solvingtheraceissue.com awesome and thank you so much Herbert Pleasure having you on the show today. My pleasure, Blair. Have a great, magnificent day. Always knowing. You as well. Solvingtheraceissue.com, your source for Herbert Harris' new book. Excellence is being able to perform at a high level for a long period of time. The next level success is just a step away. Stay tuned. Black Wall Street Today will be right back after a word from our underwriting sponsors. Are you a 757 business owner? Do you desire to make new connections and grow your community involvement? Could you benefit from taking classes to sharpen your skills? Well, join Black Brand, Hampton Roads Regional Black Chamber of Commerce. Completing a membership application is simple. Just click onto our website at www.blackbrand.biz or download the app. We look forward to meeting and building with you soon. Hey, this is Seiko. DJ Seiko Varner, the producer of this podcast. So when I'm not producing podcasts, I'm actually DJing wedding receptions, corporate events, proms, other formals, and I would love to take care of your special event. So our company is Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. That's www.positivevibes.net. We've been performing for over 25 years and we would love to bring our expertise and our fun to your special event. Positive Vibes Incorporated, www.positivevibes.net. Peace and prosperity. Welcome back. Welcome back to Black Wall Street Today on Smooth 88.1 WHOV. Welcome back. It's the 139th edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham, joined now by Tanisha Newman. She's the founder and CEO of Newman Fitness Foundation. And she believes in using her platform and resources to encourage, inspire, and empower children, women, and families. A healthy life filled with confidence, self-awareness, and self-acceptance. Her philanthropic work includes leading a host of fitness events that raise awareness on social and economic issues and providing access to free or low-cost fitness programs to underserved and underprivileged populations. Welcome, Tanisha. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. 
great to have you. It's good to good to see you here. Um, thank you so much for New Man Fitness and the blessing that it is to to this community. So why the fitness industry, right? I'm looking at the work that you do, sort of the mission and the vision around self-confidence, self-awareness, self-acceptance. Why did you choose the fitness industry? Um, I chose the fitness industry. It started off from a personal experience of mine. Um, And I like to use the weight that I carried, Um, the weight that I carried and found that I was able to lose had nothing to do with physical weight. It was more the emotional and the mental weight um, that I carried throughout life, just from life experiences, um, past traumatic experiences and adulting and things of that nature. So I got into fitness um, simply because that was the one thing that I could control was me and movement and movement actually helped me um, lose that emotional and that mental weight, um, which also played into the additional benefit of the loss of the physical weight. But it really tapped into um, some internal things that that I was able to overcome. And um, in, in doing that, I knew this was something that I just couldn't keep to myself. I knew this was something that uh, population of people were, were going through and dealing with. So I, I stuck with it. it. It helped me tremendously. So I stuck with it to uh, help others. Definitely interesting. I'm thinking about how, you know, traditional medicine, traditional approaches kind of teach that, you know, if you are having issues with weight, then the first thing you need to do is You know, you need to look at what you're eating. You need to address this and that. But to hear you say, to talk about the emotional linkages, the mental linkages with weight and so forth, I think there is liberation there. Um, You know, and and then how do we leverage exercise while we're also um, examining our thought life to be able to just be healthier generally? Kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. And one thing about New Man Fitness Foundation, we focus on simple solutions. Okay. Um, It does not have to be hard just to incorporate daily activity into our into our lives. Um, Taking a 30 minute walk a day. um, It is recommended for us as adults to have at least five days of exercise, at least 30 minutes a day. And um, if we really sit and think about it. We don't get that amount of time in. Um, So just trying to help educate um, our communities and let them know how simple it is to incorporate a healthy lifestyle. Um, That's our main mission and a goal at New Man Fitness Foundation. Yeah. I want to hear about more of those simple strategies that you are helping individuals to employ. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Right now, what we have going on is our bike drive. So our holiday bike drive, we are we set a goal to raise or excuse me, to collect 300 new bikes and helmets. And um, you would actually be surprised how many children um, don't know how to ride bikes and um, families that just haven't had that experience to come together and do daily activities. Um, Mm -hmm. Even some of the neighborhoods that the communities that we serve do not have 
bike lanes or trails to be able to incorporate um, that type of exercise. So we are being very intentional in making sure that we get equipment such as bikes, um, jump ropes, hula hoops, sidewalk chalk, things like that um, through our other initiative, the um, Keep It Moving campaign, um, just to make sure that simple items, things that we just don't even really think um, will have an impact, definitely does have an impact. So um, those are some of the things that we're doing right now. The bike drive, just to get kids out and moving and families moving together. Um, and then the Keep It Moving campaign with the jump ropes, the sidewalk chalk, which taps into creativity and um, promotes outdoor play. And when you're outdoors, you get the vitamin D. It's just so much that comes into being able to, to get what you need in, in just a simple, simplified way. And if you've just joined us, uh, I'm talking now with Tanisha Newman with the Newman Fitness Foundation, uh, having a conversation about the relationship between exercise and just general uh, healthy living. I know that, Tanisha, you recently sponsored two weekend events. Um, talk about those and just sort of the wellness activities that you provided for men and women. Absolutely. So in May, which is Women's Health Month, we sponsored the Women's Wellness Weekend, and it was a weekend of wellness activities. So it included comedy. Um, it included um, what we had. We had a psychotherapist on site. So that tapped into the mental health. We had movement, of course. We had exercise. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we had a flower um, activity. So, you know, the ladies were able to tap into flower arranging and learn about gardening and the therapeutic um, benefits of that. So we touched on emotional, mental, spiritual and uh, physical health. So just tapping into the overall well-being of the individual. And then in June, we did the same with the Men's Health Month in June focusing on men's wellness. And I was very intentional <clears throat> about making sure that our men are able to be able to come into a space where they feel safe and able to focus on their wellness. Um, a lot of times we, um, as a society, just neglect the needs of the man. Um, and, and even as the woman, we all individually have to focus on our well-being. And um, so that's what we did. We sponsored two events to just create a safe space where individuals can just take one day of focusing on being them be being their best best selves. And um, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. Again, it was the spiritual wellness and health. It was the emotional, the mental, um, just tapping on every aspect of of health and wellness. It was, it was a beautiful weekend. And kudos to you and your team for putting those impactful events together. Um, yes. Thank yeah. you. I have an amazing team. I have an amazing support system. There's no way I could do this all by myself. Um, sometimes, you know, they have to wheel me back in because I just have all these ideas and I'm like, let's do it. So um, I love the team that I have. They keep me in check. 
um, even down to my family, you know, the support system that I have with my family. Um, because again, I mean, well, that's a great way in which you are modeling the values of your organization, right? Um, a lot of times we are tempted to go it alone. <laughs> we want to do everything, you know, it's not going to be right unless we have our hand on every detail. Um, but by sharing that workload, um, you're, you're practicing what you preach, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. By allowing others to operate in their strengths, um, it, it affects the overall wellness of the organization as well. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We've got about four minutes remaining. I want to make sure that we get all the particulars as to uh, what's coming up next, how we can contact you, where we can get more information about this uh, organization. We want to make a donation, all those things. Absolutely. So feel free to uh, like and follow us on Facebook at New Man Fitness Foundation. We are on Instagram at NMF underscore foundation. And our website is www.nmffoundation.org. And again, um, we focus on nutrition, exercise and wellness. And um, it has been clinically proven that exercise is beneficial for your emotional, your mental, and your social well-being and your physical well-being. Um, so we are looking to help individuals that are impacted by health gaps. And when you say when we say health gaps, it's just individuals who may not have access to quality um, programming, exercise, um, and just looking to educate folks on how they can take advantage of what's out there, what is available to them. And if I can make a quick point, um, we were able sure. to just let people know, if you go to the doctor, if you have a checkup, if it's a well checkup, a sick, well, sick checkup, and your doctor recommends exercise, try to get your doctor to write that in a prescription. Because if it's a prescription, you very well may be able to submit that to your insurance and get reimbursement for what you pay for fitness classes. So little tidbit information like that, a lot of people don't know and they don't take advantage of the exercise classes because it may not be within their budget. But if it's reimbursable through your insurance, take full advantage of that. Love that tip. Love that. Awesome. Awesome. So New Man Fitness Foundation, nmffoundation.org, nmffoundation.org, Instagram, nmf underscore foundation. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. Reiterate once again, what's next? The bike drive is happening in real time right now, or is it a particular day or date? Yes, so we are collecting, we started collecting as of yesterday. We got two bikes yesterday, so yay. yay. Um, So it's up until December 22nd, and we are looking to collect 300 bikes. We are looking for, to partner with other organizations, individuals, and businesses who want to come on board and um, lead a team or lead a group who can um, collect 10 bikes. If we can get 30 partners to only collect 10 bikes, we can reach that goal of 300. So I am calling on the community for that. Church organizations, what have you, we can come together and support each other that way. Okay. And if I'm someone who's interested in leading a team, how should I connect with you? Yes. Um, So please connect with us through any of those platforms. Our phone number is 757-774- 
757-774-5984. Again, 757-774-5984. Call and um, we'll get some literature out to you on how you can um, promote as a team leader um, and, and help us collect these bikes for these kids and these families during the holidays. Okay, wonderful. All right, Tanisha, we're excited about you and your work. Thank you so much. And be on the lookout. We have more things coming. (laughs) And we'll certainly expect you to come back on the show and update us as things progress as well. Thank you. Right. You're so welcome. Tanisha Newman, Newman Fitness Foundation, NMFFoundation.org, NMFFoundation.org. Special thank you to today's guest, Mr. Herbert Harris, as well as Tanisha Newman. Excited about the book uh, and all of the conversation that it is going to generate around resolving race issues in America And of course, always grateful for anyone that is focused on improving conditions through providing fitness resources, wellness resources. Uh, Again, thank you both uh, for appearing on today's show. And thank you for tuning in to Black Wall Street today, where we're building minds, building connections, and forging the path ahead toward business success in the Black community. We look forward to talking next week. We'll hear from... Letitia Griffin with 365 Diversity LLC, as well as Nathan Turner, who will be talking about the League of Extraordinary Parents. We'll talk next week. This show was brought to you by the consulting services of Positive Vibes Incorporated. We do credit fixes, we do debt restructuring, and we put money in the pockets of real estate investors. So give us a call. We can fix your credit. We can restructure your debt. And if you're a real estate investor, I would love to put thousands of dollars into your pockets. 757-932-0177. That's 757-932-0177. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the Black community is the Black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say Black, you say Wall Street. Black, Black.